Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. If you can't beat that operation in their first game, when, when Jeff Saturday can't find anybody in the building who has a pulse, who's ever done anything in his life to call plays, because they're not in the business of bailing out Jeff Saturday and their tanking-ass owner, if you can't beat them, then how broken are you? Yeah. Like, if you get first dibs at them. You get first bite at that freak show apple. <laughs> if you can't make it count, shame on you. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I'm just going to guess Jason didn't like that hire. <laughs> didn't think the Saturday hire was a great hire. We're going straight to James Carver. So we don't, know what, we don't want to waste his time. James didn't have a great week last week. He was 1-4-1, but he's 22-17-2. Didn't hit the college games. Didn't Proud son of Louisiana State University and did not bet the LSU-Alabama game. So since it was off the board for you, how did you feel when they went for two and they beat Alabama? I was so, I, I hate to say this, but I've been so traumatized by us against Alabama. I, it, it, you know, you watch these 50s sitcoms where you have this five-second delayed reaction. Right. It took me five seconds to absorb the fact that we actually won a game. <laughs> I, I talked it to Booger un- McFarland un- yesterday, James. We had Booger on the show. And Booger said he was just thrilled, absolutely thrilled. This was one of the great wins he ever remembered watching. I I think that that game meant more to me than beating Clemson with a national championship. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not kidding you. You can't imagine. what. And I understand where Booger's coming from. Shaq was at the game. Honey Badger was at the game. I tell you one thing about LSU: the people that went there, the big-time athletes, they love that place. Yes, yes, they do, and every one of them works for ESPN. <laughs> every one of them. Honey Badger, Honey Badger's giving us a million dollars. That's great. That's great. All right, what do you got this week? All right, so I got uh, actually a big game in New Orleans, uh, UCF at Tulane. That's two top twenty-five teams. Yep. We've got it at two, Tulane I, giving a I point. I hate to do this because I'm, I'm going against my own interest, but I hope Tulane wins by – UCF, Tulane minus 1.5. And I think UCF is going to play there. So you're going to take uh, Central Florida minus 1.5? No, Tulane minus minus one and a half. Oh, Tulane minus 1.5. Okay, I got it. Okay. Uh, Alabama uh, minus 12 at Ole Miss. Yep. I'm going to go with Ole Miss. Really? So you think something's wrong in Alabama? Because that would, you know, he, I know they know each other, but I don't think Saban has any regard for Lane Kiffin at all. I don't. You know, not many people have a regard for Lane Kiffin. <laughs> right. I mean, just being honest with you. Right. He's not, he's a very good coach, but there are people, you know, say, like the Mannings, that are very skeptical of him. Okay. Okay. Well, he got he got head coaching jobs very very young at very big places. He really did. Okay, what else? No, you got? There goes. I like Ole Miss and TCU at Texas. Uh huh. This is minus seven. Of course, they Texas is minus seven. GCU is undefeated, and should TCU be number three and number four? And it looks like a trap game. I'm going to walk into the trap and take TCU. You will take TCU. Okay. Right. Okay. And then we got uh, Seahawks and the Bucks playing in Munich. 
Is that where they're playing? Uh, in Munich? Okay. Yeah, Bucks are minus three. I like the Seahawks. Okay. Vikings at the Bills. Bills minus four. I like your home team favorite. You like so the Bills even though Josh Allen may not play, James. He may not play. You know, they got a pretty good, a damn good team. Right. The Bills do. And, I mean, I, you know, yeah, and they're getting four points. Right. And Case Keenum, by the way, is a, is a very good backup quarterback. He's very yeah. good. We got the Bills giving three and a half. Yeah, no, oh, it's three and a half so now. That's a, that's that's easier for you if you want it. Three and a half. Yes, I like that better. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Got the hook. What else? And the Chargers uh, at the 49ers. Uh-huh. Uh, and 49ers are seven-point favorite. I'm going to take the Chargers. Everybody's doing that. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, I'm going to just ask you this. Because everybody who bets with us is betting the Chargers over San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan has even had more time to work with Debo Samuel and with Christian McCaffrey. And people are running away from that. Are you not, not worried that, that Shanahan has tricks up his sleeve with these guys? Well, Shanahan, he's a good coach. I mean, and the 49ers are good. Seven points is a lot in the NFL. Okay. All right? Okay. I mean, there are a huge number of games that fall within seven points of each other. I mean, right. how many 24 to 20 games have you seen? Yes. Yes, that's true. That's true. You know? Okay. So I, 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 you know, I, would, I would like it straight up, but, but whenever you're down the road, but that, and the Chargers, I think they're kind of underperformed. But, but I agree. I agree. I that's thought they'd be better than this. I, I, I tell you what, it's a classic track game, the LSU Arkansas game Saturday. I'm scared to death. Stay away from it. Yes. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be freezing cold in Fayetteville. You know, we have to come down off this Alabama win. Arkansas lost to Liberty. It was actually pretty good, okay? I mean, you know, they're top 25 team, too. But they lost to Liberty, so they're going to be, you know, it's, it's everything that you say, this is a trap game points to that being a trap game. Oh, okay. Do you have another game for us, or are we going to live with no, six? No, I'm just going to go with six. Okay. Thank you, James. Good luck. All right, gentlemen. Work hard. James Carville, boys and girls. That's what I love most about Carville and Todd is that they do this election stuff, and they're so happy to do betting stuff. <laughs> so happy to this. do yes. betting stuff. All right, let me get to a couple of things, because we put James on at the top. I got this note the other day from Ronnie Watts' son. I don't know if you know who Ronnie Watts is. Ronnie Watts, it, it, it is about him passing away. Um, it's from his son, Russell. It says, Tony, you and my dad, Ronnie Watts, were inducted into the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame during the same year. It's with great sadness I inform you he just passed away. As a proud son, I was hoping that you could honor him in some format and or forward this info to whomever you think would want it. He did a lot for the D.C. community, specifically as founder of the D.C. Urban Coalition, running the Ronnie Watts basketball camp as an announcer for the Bullets, Terrapins, and Hoyas, not to mention being a board member for the Special Olympics. Bill Russell once said, quote, if heart and desire were all it took, Ronnie Watts would be the best player of all time. He died at 79 years old, and you're saying, who's Ronnie Watts? I understand you're saying that. Ronnie Watts was on the Boston Celtics for a few years, where he and Bill Russell were best friends. This was towards the end of the Bill Russell championship years. They were best friends. 
They did a number of AT&T commercials together, but these commercials were 40 years ago, 50 years ago maybe. So I don't expect that any of you have seen these things, but people in Washington, D.C. know who Ronnie Watts was. He played at Wilson High School, which is the local public school where we live. Um, and his son writes, through his life, people of all ages and from all stations were impacted by Ronnie's engaging personality, amazed at his grit and determination, and touched by his kindness, compassion, and generosity. Ronnie met life with gusto and humor, devilish, mischievous, and irreverent. He was fun. He's a really good basketball player. This is a paragraph that I wanted to read. Playing basketball as a high schooler on the competitive basketball courts of Chevy Chase, he was noticed and encouraged by Red Auerbach. Like, if, you, if you're going to have an angel tap you on the shoulder, who, who would be better than Red Auerbach? Who, by the way, people may not know this, throughout his great career as this coach and then general manager of the Boston Celtics, he always lived in Washington, D.C. He always went to Woodmont. He always played cards. He always told jokes that had the same punchline that I can't say on the air. <laughs> Every one of his jokes. He won a basketball scholarship to Wake Forest. How about that? Did Red have an eye for talent? He won a basketball scholarship to Wake Forest where he set rebounding records which stood for decades and led his team to ACC victories against much larger schools. Wake's the, at that time was the smallest D1 school. He captained the gold medal winning Maccabea team. After college, he was drafted by the world champion Boston Celtics, fulfilling a lifelong dream. As a result of his teamwork and hard work, he earned great respect from his teammates and created many friendships that lasted a long time. I mean, uh, there was already a service and I got to this a little bit late but I it's not so much that I knew Ronnie Watts I'm sure we met I knew of him I mean I thought his story was a great story and I thought the fact that he and Russell were best friends was something worth something worth talking about I'll stay with local sports for a second I am holding in my hand now for people watching on News Channel 8 about a 10 to 12 pound replica of a world championship Washington Nationals ring. Hand it over to Michael so Michael can describe this. Sure. So I have a friend, Art Facillo, who's a dear, dear friend of the socialite. And we played golf, Art and I, a few times at Rehoboth. And Art Facillo taught me something the last few years that was very important to learn. Um, He has worked with the learners for a million years. He's active with the learners. And so he knows all about the baseball team and knows how nice it would be for me to get this ring i'll uh, i'll have michael describe it after this art facillo is the one who said to me because i asked him a question it was once about the question i'm pretty sure was about trey turner why did the nats get rid of trey turner Uh, trey turner's an all-star shortstop why did the nats get rid of him and he looked at philly he looked at me and (laughs) and we were on the 10th tee when i asked him and he said you need to ask yourself what do they know that i don't know and that's sort of like been a signpost for me since then. Whenever something looks weird, what do they know that I don't know? Describe the ring. Uh, this is just under the size of a baseball, obviously a Big. lot heavier, but it has all of the symbols. It appears to have all the symbols that the World Series rings are known for, the coded language that so has, you know, let's go one and know every, every day. day. I turned it around to see if it had the inscriptions on the inside about the record. You know, you have to, at the time, it was the one-game wild card, so one and no, and then uh, three and two against the Dodgers with the Howie Kendrick They faced five elimination games and won them all. Four and no, sweeping the cards in the, in the championship series, and then winning every game on the road, on the road. in Houston. So uh, it doesn't have... 
all of those little pieces, but I like I was trying to count the fake diamonds to see if it had like some something to do with nineteen thirty one. But I was thinking which was about, their terrible record. I was thinking about this, yeah. And then you have the, the in May the dumpster fire pickup of uh, Baby Shark in July, right? Uh, early change late June, early July. Change uh, team. I was thinking about this ring a lot when you were watching the end of this World Series because you had Rob Thompson who's doing that same mantra about counting down how many how many games are left, and that really rallied the Phillies. And then I, I was oddly thinking about when Davey got into that fight, and uh, in that in that when the Phillies had that one nothing lead, and there was that hit by hit by pitch. And you have that. He's technically getting out of the way. But after Maldonado crowds the plate, you want to go, Davey would be out of the dugout. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Weren't, they, weren't the Nats trailing in all of those elimination games? Yes. Each one. <laughs> each, and they won them all. Remarkable. They had comeback wins in each one. And as we were saying before we went on the air, the sin, the crime of COVID is that it robbed the Nats of the one-year parade. The yeah. full one-year parade after winning the World Series. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. No. It's too bad. Now, they're not going to get it. Yeah, and they now lost it's, 105 games. It, it feels like it was ancient history now. It, but, you know, thank you to Art Frasillo for that. It's nice, yeah, isn't it? It's magnificent. I mean, you can't wear it. It's gigantic. No, but, it's but a, that's... It's, it's, it's a table piece. It's, it's a table piece, and it's always going to make you look back on that pocket of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from Joe Ippolito in Brooklyn, New York. Wait. So the new game is pitch Greg Hallmark Channel Christmas movie ideas? No? Well, too late, because we got the hot chocolate slurp and hit of the season here. And I know Garcia's listening. He's going to do one of these. It's Christmas in a picturesque snow globe of a New England village, and someone has stolen the town's third largest gazebo. Our lead's a big city detective who's come home for the holidays. She's too very smart. She. She's the lead. She's too busy solving crimes for a love life. She's married to justice. <laughs> Not Richard Justice. Just justice generically. Upon hearing of the brazen theft, she knows she has no option but to act. Her recently deceased dad proposed our mother in that gazebo way back when it was the town's second largest gazebo. <laughs> to track down the thief, she'll need a partner with the fil- village's hard scrabble sheriff, an old flame to whom she hasn't spoken in years. They, too, had long ago gotten engaged in that gazebo, back when it was the town's fifth largest gazebo. (laughs) There was a string of gazebo-related arsons soon after. It didn't work out. She had big dreams that ripped her from the warm, yuletide embrace of that bucolic hamlet. But now she has but one dream, solving the snowy caper. Working title, the most wonderful crime of the year, A Christmas Whodunit. And Joe Ippolito says, I'll wait by the phone. (laughs) Garcia will find him. (laughs) I I mean, I just think at some point, Greg is going to find it irresistible (laughs) to write one of these things just to see, will they do it? Will Hallmark do it? Can I get it on? At what point does she get a tip from her inside source? The plow driver goes from Marblehead to (laughs) To Revere. Revere. (laughs) I I just, I, I really, I actually believe that Greg listens to this and that that spark Hits him and he goes, well, let's take a shot. I know I can get it made. Let's take a shot. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Is it Chuck Todd or Chuck Chuck Culpepper? We are loaded with Chucks today. Yes. Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called Why Bonnie. W-H-Y Bonnie. I don't think it's named for Bonnie. Bonnie, Bonnie gets, gets it, it done? done. No. I don't think so. They're from Austin, Texas. I'll ask my friend Mike Litwin about him. He lives in Austin, Texas now. It was sent to us by Lee Fortenberry, who says, Why Bonnie is a wonderful indie rock band in Austin that I think listeners to the show will enjoy. You can listen to their, to their work in its entirety at the end of the show. This is a song called 90 in November, and it plays in, which just happened <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> yeah. temperature-wise. It plays in Chuck Todd. Before we get to Chuck and the games, um, you do a long period of time standing up on election mm-hmm. night. And mm-hmm. you're looking at, at state by state, county by county, blue and red. And as mm-hmm. I'm watching you do that, mm-hmm. what I'm really thinking is, is, my God, this is the legacy of John Madden. It's John Madden who stood up for the first time yeah. and had a board in front of him and said what he said about football. And now everybody's got a board of some sort. And it looks like it's fun it, is it fun to do well, yes yeah I, I i mean i'd look i the this is my single favorite part of this job and the reason why i don't miss print and don't miss what i did before and i thought i i do in so many ways i 364 days a year sometimes i do right is election night yeah and the um, all the data all the answers it's the it's the one one time every two years where I get an answer, you know, where we get an answer. It's not a poll. It's not anything else. It's an answer key, all this stuff. So, yeah, I, I do. And I, I sort of, you know, uh, I can't disaggregate sort of what I love about sort of the numbers in politics and then also sort of putting together where I've been and how to visit America and how to see it and all this stuff. So I sort of, I enjoy that aspect. I mean, if, Geography would have been a minor of mine if I thought about it um, back then, thirty years ago. Just sort of, yeah. Especially, you know, just sort of, I just sort of love how it all sort of goes together, and then how a voting pattern has a lot to do with how people live and all that stuff. So I'll, I'll admit it; it's just sort of that's how I enjoy it. It's one of my geeking out moments. I've said this a million times on various iterations of this show. When you work at a newspaper, even if you work in the sports section, where you have nothing to do with the elections. The most exciting night in the newspaper was always election night. There was a life to it. There was a buzz to it. There was an anticipation to it because it's the closest. This is, of course, which you'll appreciate. This is, of course, why politicians relate to athletes because there's Mm -hmm. a finality. You win or you lose, pal. You win or you lose. And that's what happens on election night. It's thumbs up or thumbs down. And I just I thought that was great fun. I mentioned this to Saliza yesterday. That I don't mm-hmm. know much about what happened, but it seemed to me what happened was good because it coalesced to the middle, that the yeah. fringes were rejected and democracy worked a little better than we thought it had in the last few years. And I, I thought it was good. What do you think? I tell this to uh, people that are close to me that are very agitated by the current political climate. And I always say I trust the voters. I said I, the voters never you, voters frustrate you. You know, voters don't, you know, the voters may send you, think, oh, why did they send that person here, right? Right. So, into, you know, but the voters, you know, we're not going to crash into the mountain. 
Now, we're not going to pull up maybe as quickly as you'd like us to pull up or as quickly as people in my life would like us to pull up and avoid the mountain. But the voters aren't going to let us crash into the mountain. Right. I agree with that. And they figure this out. And, and they have figured this out. And it's one of those things where, you know, the question is whether party leadership is going to listen to the voters. The voters have sent a message to the Republican Party. And they're, you know, because these are the, the swing vote in this election were people that disapproved of Biden, of the job Biden's doing. Not, not hotly disapproved, but somewhat disapproved. They were the swing vote. They ended up voting Democratic because they're rejecting what they, what was being offered as the alternative. So it's a, it's, you, you are right. The center, center held. Yeah, it's good. That's what happened. That's really what happened. You know, we, we'll see who actually, which party's in control, but the bottom line is the center held. Good. And speaking of the center holding, we've got uh, Jeff Saturday coaching it. a game for the first time. Yeah. Uh, amidst... Man, I read that lock and four piece. Killed him. <laughs> Killed him. Oh, my God. Killed him. And you see, that was, that was you don't see that in sports journalism. It was great. Uh, very often, by the way. So uh, I always love listening, Jason, on your show. He's great. He said, "All listening." I just want to give him a shout out. That was oh, it's wonderful. Uh, that was just a wonderful. As Eddie Murphy once said, "Kill my landlord." C I L L. Kill my landlord. Here's what I want. I don't want Lock and Four covering me. Right? No, he's yeah. tough. He's tough. All right, here we go. Uh, somebody just told me that Seattle Tampa Bay is in Munich as the NFL insists on trying to find some foreign climb where they could maybe put a second league. It doesn't work. Seattle at Tampa Bay, technically. Tampa Bay, what a gift win. The Rams gagged last week. Seattle better than we thought. Seattle getting three. I'm I'm not sure I understand Seattle getting three. Who do you like? We've said this. How many weeks in a row when Seattle gets points? You know, I, I look, I know at some point this gig is up. I've been doing this in college. I keep betting against TCU and I keep losing. Yes. And I'm going to do it again this week. Right. Well, um, I, I just I, I, I don't understand why the markets continue to underestimate Seattle. Yeah. I, I don't there. I know they sit there and look on paper, but, you know, I, I will, I'll say this. Pete Carroll, we've said it week after week. I, I, that guy should be coach of the year. Um, yes. Uh, to me, without a yes. doubt. Yes. I mean, without a doubt. I know it's boring when guys have been coaching for 20 years with the same team. It, it, you have to, you can't acknowledge that anymore. But, man, you know, this was supposed to be Seattle's tank year. Uh, quite the tank. Give me, give me, give me Gino. Give me German okay. Gino. Germany's Gino. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Minnesota plus three and a half at Buffalo. The wild card, of course, is will Josh Allen play? We don't know that. He didn't practice the other day. Case Keenum is the backup, who was a pretty good quarterback, Case Keenum. I mean, he's not a bad number two at all. Uh, Minnesota now seven and one. I'm waiting for them to throw a yeah. rock out there that won't be any good at all. I don't know when it'll be. Minnesota at What Buffalo. time is this game? I don't it's know. Very important for Kirk Cousins. What time is kickoff? Right? I think I think it's a nighttime. I think it's a one p.m. game. If it's a nighttime oh. game, he's going to lose. Yeah, king of the one p.m. Yeah, one p.m. Nobody okay. owns one p.m. red zone like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> right? So you'll take Minnesota. Uh, you get three and a half. I don't. I know. I. I uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings. You know, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I would take I, Buffalo. I, me personally. I, I'm not doing it because for the same reason I didn't take the Vikings last week. Are they really an eight and one? They're you know, they don't feel like a seven I know they're seven and one. 
it, it, it feels like a, a, a bloated record. Uh, so give me, give me the Bills. That's how I felt with the Giants. I just said, come yeah. on. I've watched the Giants for years. Come on. Get out of here. Denver. We haven't talked about Denver much because they stink. Denver is getting two and a half at Tennessee. Tennessee put up a good effort last week. Um, Denver getting two and a half at Tennessee. Speaking of well-coached teams, Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I read a fun story about Russell Wilson and whether he'll wear the, uh, the wristband playbook business. Really? And apparently he wore it last in London. First time he wore it, and it was the best game. And then there was some story in Seattle about how Pete Carroll just said, well, we had a previous quarterback that didn't like wearing. Apparently this not wearing the wristband was some sort of, like Russell Wilson wouldn't do it. Oh. But if he wears the wristband, he ends up calling better plays. So uh, he had a good week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on the that's, – that's one of those dumb little nuggets I found. I'm going to bet on the wristband. Give me, give me Denver in the points. Okay. Cleveland is at Miami. Cleveland is getting three and a half at Miami. I would have thought that was a higher line, personally. Uh, Miami has Tua is six Are we a and week zero away from Deshaun. Is this the last? Uh, he's he's cleared on on game eleven. I don't know what what they are now. I don't know yeah. which game this is. I thought maybe this was nine, but I'm not certain. Nine? Okay, I don't know if we're nine or ten. But I'm, Tua I'm, I'm is Tua six and zero. Oh. If he starts yeah. and finishes. Two is six and zero. Oh. So who you like? Uh, Dolphins. I mean, not by a little. I'm with you. The only problem with the Dolphins is that they, they seem to, you know, once they get a lead, they sort of sit on it. Right. Um, and they seem to let teams come back. So that hooks a little, little, little problematic to me. But um, give me the Dolphins. Dallas is a favorite. Dallas <laughs> minus four and a half at Green Bay. <sighs> And all of us, all of us say the same thing all the time. We say, well, the Packers can't be this bad. This can't be this bad. And they're at home and they're going to, they're going to rise up because they got Aaron Rodgers. Last week against Detroit, a team that gives everybody 32 points a week. 32 is what their defense allows. Green Bay got nine. They got nine. Um... Jason Lockenfour yesterday on this show basically said, Aaron Rodgers, it's over right now for him this year. Over. What do you yeah, think? I agree. It, I, it is. I don't understand, and I said this before, you, you throw, you sign him to a four-year deal, it's a win now, but the front office doesn't have a win now approach. You know, the front office keeps trying to, you know, nope, we'll draft receivers. Don't worry about it. And... um this is what they are. I go back. I think I said this to you before. Maybe I haven't. Aaron Rodgers, I, I'm having Dan Marino flashbacks. He just blames everybody else. He does. Uh, he just blames everybody else. And, you know, I, I, that's, that's, that's no legacy. I, it's hard to bet on the Packers. And, and the Mike McCarthy Bowl, I think McCarthy's fired up to, you know, give the middle finger to all of his Packer fans who like to trash him, you know, and always felt like he, under, he didn't get enough out of Rodgers. Maybe we owe him an apology considering maybe Rodgers is just uncoachable. Um, um, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, give me, give, me the, give me the Cowboys. I watched on ESPN the other day Marcus Spears destroy Aaron Rodgers. Just line by line by line said he didn't show up at practice. He didn't show up at training camp. He doesn't want to play any of the games. He talks about how his receivers stink, and he just said enough with this guy. 
And Marcus Spears is not some guy, you know. I mean, he was a, uh, an All-American college, and he was a player in the pros, right? Um, all my yeah, all my Packer buddies and I, we don't know what to do. Brett Favre's a crook. Aaron Rodgers yes. is a jerk. You know, we're all getting our we're getting our Lynn Dickey jerseys back. <laughs> That's a long time back. Kansas State's own. All right, the L.A. Chargers are at San Francisco, and each day that goes by, Kyle Shanahan has more time to work with an offense that has Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. The Chargers are getting seven. Who do you like? What What's happened to Justin Herbert? Well, he got hurt that first week. He got broken ribs. Is that, right? Do we think he's – it's right. I don't it, know. Maybe that I, – I guess when you yeah, – I guess he would say you tried playing with a broken rib, huh? uh, Charlie. Uh, seven <laughs> points a lot. The Chargers are not a team that gets blown off very often. Um, it's just a lot of points, and it feels like that they, they will somehow – two-point conversion their way to covering a seven-point spread. So, so you'll, you'll either, take charges? Yeah. Okay. They'll either somehow miss extra points, two-point conversions, but seven isn't going to be the gap there. So, yeah. Give me okay. And the last game is the Washington Commies getting 11 at Philadelphia. Philadelphia still unbeaten, basically had a bye week because they played on Thursday night. This is a mm-hmm. Monday night game. It's going to get a number because these are big population centers, but – I don't have a whole lot of hope on how good this game is going to be. Who will you yeah, take? But the double digits. By Big the way, number. I, w- I, I told you the double digits last week, right? I right. didn't have the guts. Right. To, and I, but I, I, I worried about them because NFL teams don't cover double digits often. Uh, and Philadelphia will sit on a lead. Um, so 11's a lot for them. I will, um, I'm gonna t- I will take the, the commanders. You've been winning with them lately. Didn't you win two or three in a row with them? I did. I did. Look, they play great defense. They keep that team in games. They're, they're never out of a game. I mean, they, they really do. Um, You've got to give them credit on defense. It's a really good defense. I mean, I, we, I think we all enjoy mocking how horribly run the team is. And by the way, I don't want to go off in a rant, but Dan Snyder tried to use political talking points to, like, push back the team did to try to push back, I guess the, the DC attorney generals coming Call out with some investigation, yeah. Yeah. you know, this week. And it was just like, it was like written by like a, a Republican intern, the way <laughs> the, the talking points read. And it was just, you know, there's violent crime on the streets of Washington and they're focusing on me. And you're like, come on, Dan, stop this. Yeah. Just come stop. Come on, Dan, what are we even doing out here, Dan? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Chuck. Good luck on Thank these. You guys. Good luck. Chuck Todd last week, 3-2-2. and two. He's over 500, 31-30 and 3. And if we gave you Chuck Todd, that would be more than enough. But we do more than that for you. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, All the little girls sing along with their dad. <laughs> Guess I'm out. No, you can sing, Michael. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the vice spy, too. Sometimes he throws his poo, poo, poo. When he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. What do you got? So I, um, I went down to the National Zoo, as I like to do, to go confer with Reginald. Uh, and he had turned his, uh, his flat, I don't really call it a cage, his flat that he has there into his campaign headquarters, busy looking at the vote counts. They didn't win. 
Unfortunately, he did not he win. He did not win. Uh, and while we were there, the results came in. He I lost. voted for him, but he didn't win. Yeah, he got a few votes, um, but he lost to a Lima named Alfonso and a Gibbon named Tina, oh. which obviously split the primate vote, which yeah. I think was his there undoing. Yeah. Um, so as dis- despondent as he was, he took some time to uh, go over these matches with me. Well, and the first yeah. one we gave him, I wanted to cheer him up. So I said, well, you know, why don't we look at this Minnesota Buffalo game? He got very animated, very excited, showed me a photograph of him Building a log cabin in the dead of winter with Bud Grant, Grant, Chuck Foreman, and Alan Page. None of them wearing shirts at all. There you go. Snow coming down. Lovely cabin, by the way. Yeah. So that tells me he'll take Minnesota, despite my personally thinking that Buffalo will probably win that game. Um, But yeah, he'll take them with a three and a half. Now, the next match we gave him uh, was Tennessee giving three, hosting Denver. Now, he showed me an old... uh, um, I think it's two and a half now. Oh, it's two and a half. I'm sorry. Two and a half. Yes. Uh... Showed me a picture of him touring the pyramids with Earl Campbell, Bum Phillips, and Bum Phillips rather, and Dan Pastorini. So say, why would he have connection the with Houston them? Houston Oilers. That used to be the Houston Oilers. So right. yes, and now they became the Titans. So that tells me he's got the connections to that franchise and will take the Titans. And the last one we gave him was, of course, the uh, DC game, the Nanders at Philadelphia, getting eleven. And showed me a, a video clip of him skydiving with Mike Nelms, the late great Dave Butts, and Joe Bugle. They all three of them apparently love to skydive with Reginald. Dave Butts doesn't strike me as a candidate to skydive because <laughs> he weighed 285 <laughs> to 300. But maybe. So he'll take, maybe. The, he'll take the Nenders with that okay. one. All right. That's good. All right. We will take a break. Chuck Culpepper is going to join us. We don't know how this is going to work. He is in Japan. Yeah. We hope- He's on his way to Qatar for the World Cup. Yes. So we'll ask him a little bit about that, and we'll ask him about college football, obviously, but we hope it works. We'll see. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is the indie band from Austin, Texas, Why Bonnie. This is a song called Sailor Mouth. It's going to play in Chuck Culpepper. You can listen to this in its entirety when the show's over. Michael, if bands like Why Bonnie want to get on this show, and I don't know why they would, but if they do, <laughs> how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. We've had great luck with bands. We have, and if I could just add, uh, as we do t- from time to time, Please make sure it's your music, or if it's a friend of you yours, gotta, gotta or get relative, permission. we have to get their permission before we can play it. Yeah, so gotta do you. that. All right, Chuck Culpepper is in Japan. He's on his way to the World Cup, and we'll ask him about some of that stuff at the end of this. But we're going to start with your knowledge of college football. You wrote a wonderful piece the other day that sort of lamenting the notion that Alabama was not going to be in the playoffs for the first time in 400 years, it seemed. Are you okay with the top four as constituted now, which is Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU? Yes, I think those are exactly right. I think they had TCU too low at seven the previous week, and I think they've kind of corrected themselves um, and made up some reason, I I, I guess. Um, I mean, but yes, I, I think it's 
it's ironclad. It's exactly right. And, um, and um, I think it's actually a pr- pretty fresh when you think about it. I mean, uh, we're going to miss, you know, you miss talking about Alabama because it's such a mainstay, such a part of regular conversation. But um, this is the, the very idea that TCU could get into this thing is, is, and is playing Texas this weekend is really exciting. I made the comment last week when the first poll came out that they put Alabama with one loss ahead of TCU with no losses. TCU was the only undefeated team that had somebody ahead of them with one loss. They could have done that again this week with Tennessee. They could have done that. They didn't do that. Uh, I thought originally there was a prejudice towards the SEC, which I would understand, and also a prejudice against the Big 12, which I would understand. But that was corrected. Did that surprise you? It did surprise me, but I always try to keep this one thing in mind. And you know when they when they bring the chairman of the committee on ESPN yeah. and and he explains everything, but never really explains anything, no matter who the chairman is. Um, I think that one thing to keep in mind all the time is how narrow these margins are. And you know, a move from seven to four looks big, but these these margins between the teams are really really small and. It's really hard to decipher, you know, when it's a national sport and not everybody's not playing everybody. Uh, and so I think, you know, I think they corrected. I don't know if they corrected it after a win over Texas Tech. Seems kind of odd to me when the bulk of TCU's um, impressive wins had come earlier. But um, I, I think, you know, it's just it, it, the margins are so narrow that I really – don't can't see any bias either way okay we will have the assumption and uh just a working assumption that the loser of ohio state michigan is going to drop a little bit and probably out of the top four you could have a one loss let's just say a one loss michigan team you could have by then a one loss tcu team they could lose at texas very easily (laughs) you could have a one loss tennessee team you could have two or three one loss pac-12 teams and then you got LSU charging hard on the far right. Could you see LSU with two losses, Chuck, getting into the playoff? If they beat Georgia and Atlanta in the SEC title game, I do think it could happen. I went back through all the two-loss teams, and the, the, each year of the first eight years of the playoff, playoff the top, the top two-loss team, came in at number five, six, or seven at the end of it. Four times a two-loss team finished number five, which kind of surprised me. I hadn't really ever thought about that or realized that. It was Ohio State one time. It was Georgia two times. And, um, I, and then I looked and saw that Auburn in 2017, which I had totally forgotten, was all the way up at number two as a two-loss team really? going into the SEC championship game against Georgia. So – this might be the time because if LSU beats Georgia, it's going to be really hard to keep them out. Now, they do have if, – if they're sitting there and you're arguing them in Tennessee, Tennessee came to their home and Killed pounded them. them. So Killed they do them. have that mountain to overcome. Yeah, yeah, but that was early, right? I mean, people are going to say that was then. They're going to, that's the case they're going to make for Oregon. They're going to say, yeah, I know Georgia beat Oregon by 45 points, but that was early. Oregon's a different team now. Do you make that case? Well, I think if you know if if you were looking at a one loss 
Oregon and a one-loss Georgia, and somebody had to come out, uh, even though that game stretches all the way back to Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, we know who's coming out and should come out. Or, you know, Oregon has the, to go away. Make, yeah. Yeah. But it makes it really hard if it's a two-loss LSU with wins over Georgia and Alabama and Ole Miss and a, uh, and a one-loss Tennessee, which has had this great season and beat LSU 40-13. to 13. So wow. I, I, that one, you might have to – I don't know if you could put both of them in. At sure that you point, could. it depends on what else happens. It's the SEC. You put but, um, four of them in if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> Four sure. of them in, yeah. They're the best conference. It's not close. It is so – you'll agree on this. It is so not close. Don't talk to me about the Big Ten. It is so not close as to how much better the SEC is than everyone else. Am I correct? You are correct. It is so not close. Yeah. Absolutely not close. Yeah. I mean, Wilbon's always whining the prejudice towards the SEC. And I want to say they're better than you. <laughs> they're actually better. I just That's why you went out and they added UCLA and USC because you recognize. All right, I'll move off this. You are going, It's is it pronounced Qatar these days or Qatar these days? How is it pronounced? I think in conversation, I usually cover myself by just saying it both ways. Yeah. During, during conversation, I've kind of taken to that. I, I just... <laughs> I just put both pronunciations in, in each sentence when I refer to it. So I'm not um, much of a soccer fan. I'm not going to attempt to show off any soccer knowledge because I don't have any. But I have knowledge of commercials that they run on television. World Cup commercials that they run. But differently from the World Cup commercials where they now have John Hamm with a white beard doing Santa Claus. That I don't even understand. But Qatar Airlines or Qatar Airlines runs commercials now in which everything looks so good. It's beautiful white sand and it's beautiful blue water. Does anybody mention the temperature on the ground in these commercials? Well, here's the thing. Um, I lived over there for two years across the, the Gulf or part of the Gulf in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And when you get to November and December, it's just about the most pleasant weather on earth at that point. It's, it, really? or it's in the, it's in the, it's in the competition. It, it really does. It's, it was odd to me when I first got there because it's a humid desert. So the summer is absolutely unbearable. Just, I would walk down sidewalks and sort of choose my shadow spot from a shade spot from across the street, you know, look over and see shade and walk over. Okay. Stand in that shade and then walk over and stand in another shade. That's, I was so scared of walking there in the summer. But by the time you get to November and December, it's actually pretty pleasant, like really pleasant. Europeans come to the UAE, not so much to Qatar or Qatar, but they come to the UAE to go to the beach because there just aren't many places in Europe where you can do that in January. So November is when we start getting into the, the uh, area of the year when it's actually really pleasant. Well, let's define really pleasant with a number, because Wilbon is always saying, it's not that hot in North Scottsdale. And I say, then why are you on the tee at 6 in the morning and out by 10? Is it over 100 degrees? It is not. Oh. It should not be. Okay. It would be around 80 or 85 oh. in the Novembers. This, now, I'm talking 12 years ago, so I don't know if the earth has warmed right. enough to make that. Uh, but, but, boy, it was... From November to March, it was really nice. So I read a story. I don't know where. I don't know if it was the Times or the Post. 
But I read a story that Sepp Blatter, who was in charge of this whole deal when it went to Qatar or Qatar, said it was a mistake to go to Qatar or Qatar. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, boy. Well, did he say the same thing about Russia, you know, the previous time? Because those two bids were, those two um, awarding of bids were uh, done in the same time, the same uh-huh. night, uh-huh. back to back. They were, they were given, uh, in, in, I believe it was December of 2010. First went Russia, even though, the, even though England had a bid in and, and Prince William was there and so on. And then went Qatar or Qatar over the United States and Australia. Yeah. Someone once said to me, any, any vote where Australia gets only one, one vote, any election where Australia gets only one vote, for holding a major sporting event is automatically has to be rigged. So, you know, is it a mistake? Hmm. In, in a way, um, I do think, I mean, a lot of sports have gone to that region. There's massive golf and there's tennis and, and there's, you know, the big tennis tournament in Dubai. There's a Formula One race in Abu Dhabi the same weekend the World Cup starts. And in a way, just being over there, I could see how it was, it was kind of good that the world sort of mingled in that way, that different regions would mingle in that way, and that international events would come there. Um, and that maybe, just maybe over time, that would help the, you know, improve the situation that the guest workers are in. I used to see them out there in the UAE in, in July working on on high rises, you know, new high rises. And so I, you know, I, I think maybe over time, the way that it's done in other parts of the world will win out over that. And, and so maybe it could help. It's an interesting thing to me that we've had so many international sporting events on the Olympic level in China, in Russia, you know, where these are countries where people don't have what we in the United States consider to be fair human rights. And it's obviously, it's the same thing in a place like Qatar or Qatar. And that, that's a story right. for a day. And then, and then, you know, once they put the peg in the ground, you know what I mean? Then it's a sports story, right? I mean, isn't that's that right. how it works? That's right. Yeah. So. Yes. And the sports always takes it over. And, and it's interesting that there has been, like you say, a run of those, yeah. But now here come Olympics in Paris and Italy and Los Angeles and, and I think Australia. And here comes a World Cup in North America. And so it's almost as if, okay, we might have, just, we might have had enough of that. Um, I would just get you out on this to describe your feelings. I don't know if you're a soccer person. I don't know um, how you feel about covering the World Cup. What, what, what are, you, are you excited about it? Oh, just hugely excited. Yeah, I mean, I... I became a soccer person when I moved to, to first to England and started going to stadiums and uh, and it just you know it just it just sweeps over you you know it, you're help I was helpless against the tide of it so you know you know I'm I'm thrilled to go and I think you know I went last time in Russia too um, and had you know the, the misgivings about that as well um, you know but. As we, as you say, and may, maybe it's a problem, and maybe it's a, an indictment of myself or something, but or, or of all of us. But 
it's a story for a day and then the sport yeah. wins out and maybe we can yeah. just hold on to the that more important story. All right. You know, I appreciate a, a little that. longer. Just do me one favor. Don't ever refer to a game as a match just because it's soccer. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a game. It's a soccer game, not a match. Enjoy, Chuck. Still- we'll, do, we'll try and talk to you while you're there. If we can work it out time-wise, we'll try and do that. Thanks, Chuck. Okay. Okay. Chuck Thank Culpepper, you, boys and girls. We will take a break. Email and jingle to follow. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email factors and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Thank you, Gary. I miss Gary. Thank you, Gary. Um... You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say no reason to get excited. The thief, he kindly spoke. There are many here among us who feel that life is but a joke. But you and I, we've been through that and this is not our fate. So let us stop talking falsely now. The hour is getting late. That's been covered by a number of people. Yes. Um... Jimi Hendrix is, and is Bob, the man. Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan famously said, Bob Dylan, that's Jimi your Hendrix. song now. <laughs> right. I mean, those are the two versions. Yeah. Those are the two versions. Thanks to our guests today, James Carville, Chuck Todd, Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to today's sponsors, Me Undies, a great read by Michael, and Shopify. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. How much corned beef did you take down last night? Um, mostly pastrami. Ooh, pastrami. I had the pastrami sandwich. And describe the rye. Stephen and the rye was great. Seeded? Uh, seeded rye bread. Stephen and Anita brought mustard? down from Long Beach, from the, from the Lido Beach Deli. I had mustard the whole way. Brought down corned beef and pastrami. Some half sours? And full sours. Ooh. Full sours. Yeah, we, you know, there's, there's something coming for you. Uh, can right. I give a quick plug to uh, Drew, uh, Drew Tevis, uh, pastry chef Drew uh, from Sodell out in Rehoboth, is competing on the Holiday Baking Championship on the Food Network. Uh, Drew did our wedding cake, and he's, look, he's looking great on the show, so check oh, it out. Oh, that's fantastic. That's Good great. luck. From Larry Marshall in Zanesville, Ohio, like many Americans, I exercise my right to vote at my local polling station. I'm always happy to do so, even happier that the season of political ads will cease, if only for a few months. A particularly contentious race in my state had two candidates running ads nonstop for months, and I grew an overwhelming disdain for both candidates, and I decided I couldn't in good conscience sleep at night knowing I voted for either one, so I sat and stared at that section of the ballot, my eyes drifting to the write-in candidate and the blank provided. I don't know why, but I can honestly say it was difficult for me to resist writing in the name of a certain monkey who picks football games on my favorite (laughs) podcast. Again, I don't know what came over me. I considered myself to be a responsible American. I take these sorts of things seriously, but I will just... Um, couldn't vote for the options presented. History will record that in the 2022 election, Reginald the Monkey from the Tony Kornheiser podcast received at least one vote for U.S. Senator from Ohio. If he governs anywhere close to his football gambling prowess, I think he'd fit in nicely. <laughs> How far is the commute from the zoo to the Capitol? 
from John Silkey in Silver Spring. Because of this show, I recall hearing the name Sam Sessoms from his days with Binghamton. Sure. I know Sam the Sham moved on from upstate New York to take his game to the Big Ten at Penn State. But I had a David Aldridge moment when I heard his name called out as Coppin State and their head coach, Juan Dixon, gave Georgetown a run for the money. Maybe Coppin State can become the official MEAC team of this show with the hope Sam the Sham can make it into the tourney in his final college season. So that's three schools. Yeah. That's what guys do now. Sure. That's what they well, do. We're rooting for Sam. Hope he gets into the tournament. Yeah. From Justin Hibbett in Galena, Ohio. Galena, Ohio. <laughs> As I was enjoying my slow commute home Wednesday, catching up on your most recent episode, imagine my shock and surprise when I received word through the mailbag that my fellow Galena, Ohio resident, Jose Krings, had once again gotten stuck at the intersection of Worthington and African Roads. After I had attempted to inform him of the two-way traffic <laughs> being open, well, I had to go see this for myself. So I headed in that direction. I got stuck in the long lines of the old stop and go. As I approached the now popular intersection, I was thrilled to be able to stand tall with my reported traffic not only being two-way, but also allowing northbound cars to activate their left blinkers just prior to making the left turn onto northbound Africa Road with no restrictions by do-not-enter signs. Just as my smile went from ear to ear, I unfortunately witnessed a traffic accident directly in front of me. So, of course, I assisted those involved to the side of the road, contacted the local authorities for them, and yes, while outside of my car, was able to take some photographic proof of my findings of the traffic pattern. See attached. So would you please pass these photos on to Jose so we can once again be friendly Galena neighbors? And while my kids haven't been stuck in that detour for a while, they do complain about having to listen to this podcast all the time. Although it has become a family favorite to talk about our little town's traffic problems becoming a Mr. Tony worldwide problem. And oh yes... The incredibly famous Schneider's Bakery in nearby Westerville is a must if you're ever in our area. Our kids, Camden and Cadence, nice names with K's, are often spoiled with chocolate-covered cream-filled and glazed donut holes from grandparents as a before-school treat. So come on, Grandpa. Just name your favorite donut, and the Hibbets will send over a few for you to sample. And then it was, he sends pictures of the bakery and all of that, which is very nice. From Brian Miller in Montgomery, Alabama. I spent all of last week in Mexico on mission with a team from my church, so I got behind on the pod. When I started catching up, I got hit by a trifecta DA moments. First, you read a brilliant email from Nick Mielski, my real-life friend with whom I text regularly about the show. Then you read an email about a Halloween showing of Night of the Living Dead at a community theater in Atmore, Alabama. I know Atmore, Alabama. It's where my grandfather was born and where the state penitentiary for death row is located in Alabama. Green Mile. To my knowledge... These two facts are unrelated. Finally, when interviewing Pat Forty, you asked about Auburn University. I know that university. I spent four and a half years there and I have the paper to prove it. Can I point out that your only purpose ever in bringing Pat Forty on is to absolutely kill my alma mater? <laughs> you even said as much. Forty hasn't been a guest of the pod for months and months. Then Auburn does Auburn things and suddenly our next guest is Pat Forty. <laughs> Pat Forty killing Auburn notwithstanding, I still love the show. By the way, the Caratera... Trans Peninsula 101 has some bridge work just south of Ensenada. <laughs> if any littles are planning to use it for their commute, they probably should add a little traffic Thanks time. for that. From Jeff Ferris in Hickory, North Carolina. I think that's where... I think Hickory is the coach... Who's the coach of... I'm blanking on his name. He was in the ACC. He was Kevin Durant's coach at Texas. He moved on. I'm blanking. Come on. Oh, no. It's not coming to me either. Um, mm, Will Bonnell, no. Yes. Anyway. Ed and Polly are from Hickory. Are they from Hickory as well? Yeah. Well, they know him. That's why they sit on the bench at his games. Remember, we've gone through this. Oh, yes. Uh, 
I'll look it up. He, Rick Barnes? Yes, Rick yes. Barnes. There you go. Rick Barnes. I think he's from Hickory. Let me look up Rick Barnes. Jeff Ferris Chance of Hickory, North Carolina. shaking his head at us. By way of Olean, New York. Finally had my David Aldrich moment. I listened as you read Tom Herleman's letter about calling with cheesery over the PA at a Norfolk high school game. At the end of the letter, he started to eat at A.J. McFadden, to which I thought, weird. I went to school with A.J. McFadden. The letter closed with a farewell from Norfolk, Virginia, by way of Olean, New York. Whoa, I graduated with both Tom and A.J. and probably haven't seen him since graduation day. So a hearty lachiserie to those guys from the OHS class from 1999. Rick Barnes, right? Yes, indeed, from I Hickory. I couldn't think of Rick's name. By the way, a couple other people from there. Madison Bumgarner from Hickory. Is that right? As well as Dale Jarrett. Yeah, lots of famous people from there. From Jerry Black oh, wow. in Tokyo. Thank you for reading my email about the Japan series. As I mentioned, we're 14 hours ahead of your time zone. So when the show drops at 11 a.m. Eastern time, I get it at 1 a.m. Tokyo time. So when you read my email on Monday's show, I woke up at 6 a.m. Tuesday in Tokyo with four emails from high school and college buddies from Morgantown High School and West Virginia that I haven't spoken to for decades who heard the email and knew that I lived in Tokyo. Hadn't listened to the podcast, but the subject lines for the four emails were Edith Saliza, David Aldridge moment, connective tissue, and how's DG? That's very funny. And one more. Paul Skazafave. Skazafave. Skazafave from Grafton, Wisconsin. Paulie S. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving him a nickname. Paulie S. Because it's yes. easier. Yes. Skazafave. Um, Bill Isaacson drew up, grew up in Mequon, Wisconsin. I used the Google machine. It turns out he attended Marquette University High School. Stinking private school Rolls Royce. <laughs> Bill mentioned the Range Line Inn. I know that inn. Best Friday night fish fry and brandy old fashions in the Midwest. The Range Line Inn dates back to 1840 and was once a stop on the Underground Railroad for runaway slaves working their way to freedom in Canada. Bill also mentioned the Spaghetti Factory. I know that factory. My brother worked there. And yeah, they serve great pizza, but they're no longer in business. I hear the restaurant business is a tough racket. <laughs> Bill's home was on Robin Lane in Mequon. I know that lane. My church is one block away. Can you ask Bill if he can get in touch with Dina Lopnow? She grew up in his neighborhood. I had a crush on her all through my teenage years. Also, if Bill's coming home for Thanksgiving, let him know that Interstate 43 is under construction. And the exits to County Line Road and Dongas Bay Road are both closed. He'll need to take the Mequon Road exit. Best wishes, Paul. P.S. One of my brothers got a cheeserie from someone he works with after you read my wedding bowling party email last week. He had no idea. I just told him to offer a TK salute and reply. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on, man. What are we doing out there, man?